Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So Farscape. <laughs> Season 4, Episode 10, Coup by Clam. It's great, it's great, it's great, it's so much <laughs> it's, fun. It is a hilarious episode. <laughs> so what do you think they were going for with Coup by... I mean, it's Kubla Khan and... I always, Kuba, yeah, I always thought it's not quite close enough. No. It's, it's like, not quite enough to be a pun? No, I didn't think so. So I was wondering if they were going... I mean, it's a lovely phrase, and it actually gets used for a change in the uh, Yeah, text. I don't think that's happened very often no. at all. Uh, John says it at one point, so it's a coup by clam. Yeah. yeah. Actually, through the magic of editing, I can now investigate all f***ing uh, 76 episodes and see if the title of each episode was ever said. So the blood runs clear. Flex. Human reaction. The looking glass. Love. We take this time. Crackers don't matter. Picture if you will. Dream a little dream of me. Look at the princess. Won't get fooled again. The locket. Plan B. Coulda. Woulda. Shoulda. Wait for the wheel. Different destinations. Thanks for sharing. Losing time. Relativity. Meltdown. The choice. The hog with two bones. Cutting kick. What was lost? Resurrection. Promises. 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 Coup by clam. Oh, that worked. worked. That was a lot, or not a lot, depending (laughs) on whatever the research turns out to be. (laughs) They usually have to put this much editing in. Oh, you're editing this one. I am. Whoops. Sorry, bud. (laughs) I don't know. I can just always delete it. Good job. Uh, So, yes, uh, Coup by Climb, episode 410, in where the crew visit the paranoid, politically unstable planet of Kurtanan, an opportunistic doctor poisons and blackmails them. Things get even more complicated when the planet's resistance get involved. I wouldn't exactly call it a resistance, but... No! And it's not complicated at all. It's just sort of... No, no, no. It's just the plot is very thin. Yeah, it's just a minor inconvenience that, like, like <laughs> nothing matters. Nothing that's that's set up matters, and they and they all know it. The only thing that matters. Okay, we need those. What are the hoops that we need to jump through this time? Yes, just I'm, show me the hoops. It is a very entertaining episode, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's very thin on overall plot and development and nothing. It's just a, you know. It's it's just a fun episode. It's such a relief. Let's see what our listeners have to say about this episode. The crew arrived at the planet of the sexes. The slug yeah. gets a doctorate by interrogating a doctor and beware of what they call space madness. Thank you, Going Metal 799. Doc Snot's shellfish forced the crew into playing a deadly game of follow the leader, leader, leader on a planet where women are second-class citizens. Darko reenacts that scene from When Harry Met Sally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and John shows us what he has under his skirt. Thank you, Marky C. Transmittable celestial dementia. Doc Snot has the only preventure. Girl power grows, bite of his nose. Sharing clams cost this whole misadventure. Thank you, Rick from the Delta Quadrant. Oh, I think Rick is just out of himself as a a speaker of a particular accent of English where dementia and adventure happen to rhyme. rhyme. Oh, yes, very good point. Or maybe maybe you just think that that, that we could do that. Hmm. Jural power, yes. Food poisoning, and who knew that I Yench was such a mensch? Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, no matter who you are in this episode, you're likely to clam up if anyone asks you about what happened here. Let's just say there's a reason Granny's not allowed in the kitchen anymore. Thanks, Danny. It wasn't Granny's fault. I know. <laughs> she For a was- change. She was the MVP of this episode. She was having yes. so much fun. Uh-huh. Moya stops at a plant to obtain Planet, I suppose. I mean, yeah. A planet to obtain tech to delve into tormented space, and the crew decide to take in some local cuisine. The crew might have preferred Norantis' concoction over the new bonds created between them by the clams. In attempts to heal the crew, the men cross into unfamiliar territory and mm. discover their inner girl powers. Thank you, Melissa. Maybe even the uncharted territories or uh, now the, the <laughs> tormented territories in John's case oh in John's case maybe but not Rigel's no Rigel was surprisingly comfortable yeah this yeah. is not his first rodeo he's 700 cycles fair point and a dandy right <laughs> absolutely I, he was so outraged about John's comment on the colour purple as you should have been too I suppose <laughs> yes I was groaning on the inside oh 
Oh, a contribution from our new friend of the show, Mark Nixon. Uh, do you remember from a few episodes ago, Shadows at the Door, the uh, atmospheric horror podcast, mm-hmm. where we featured a little clip from the upcoming third season. Oh, yes, with Lani Tupu. Lani Tupu. And Mark Nixon, who is a fantastic horror writer in his own right, has graced us with a contribution. I don't know exactly how I managed to be surprised by that, because I do vet all of these, but I don't remember this at all. I must have just okay, okay because it's Mark. Hello, Mark. A luncheon proves unforgettable. Zegan bobs are neglected, and we finally see what someone's been hiding up their skirt. Yes, very good. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> okay, hit it. I feel like we're going to do like a really good job on this episode. Okay? I think we are. So uh, we have a quick recap, and then we are on to the crew having a meal that they're not enjoying. Their food's overcooked, undercooked, and not worth cooking. Makes Naranti's food seem edible. They're complaining. I mean, they have plenty to eat, but it's not a get with anybody's taste. No, they're all sort of complaining about it. This food is trap. I'll agree to that. Kind of reminds me of a big bowl of Alpo I once ate. And, like, you can... I really miss the the center chamber set. Ah, yes. Because they just don't have a galley anymore, and that's why they're eating in the maintenance bay. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I wonder what happened to that set then. But yes, uh, like weird, like big conch, well, not conch shells, but like huge clamshell noodles are being served, I suppose. I didn't recognize it as either being clams or noodles at the time. It was just like weird. It is just sort of extruded snobs. Because they have arrived at a planet in tormented space, and in order to alleviate both Moya and Pilot's discomfort at, I guess, the torment of space. Pilot, how bad is it? Without additional Zintian filtration, the electrostatic impulses from surrounding radiation sources would drive her mad. Moya has not had peaceful rest since we entered the tormented space. Yeah, radiation sources that are causing noise and, like, Moya hasn't been able to take a rest. And Uh, she needs a filter. And this can be done on the planet, except the people on the planet are very nervous about space madness, or what is it called again? Space sickness, space something like the other. uh, Transmissible celestial dementia. That's the one. (laughs) Good one. If I'm going for the correct pronunciation, as we've just learned. And they need to be checked out by a local doctor. Played by... Let's see if I can do this. Oh, my notes are over there, but they're away from microphone range. Oh, it's Barry Otto. A renowned Australian actor, but we probably know him best as Miranda Otto's dad, and she played Eowyn in the Lord of the Rings films. Okay, I don't know the the dad of an actor in the Lord of the Rings films, but fair enough. Well, that's what he looks like, oh. except for the nose, of course. I mean, did he... Did he oh, so wait, hang on, is he the dad of the actress? Or is oh, wait, he... no, no, no. Uh, yes, exactly. He's not in the Lord of the Rings films. Right, His daughter is a, is a very good actress. I wouldn't have recognised him from it Otto. then. No, exactly. exactly. No. <laughs> also, under all that nose and that really weird sort of Dickensian affectation that he does. A space madness is so feared on this planet that there are no exceptions. Oh, I suppose so, yes. It's so Especially extra. The, the whole rubbing his belly, which is very protruding belly. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's one of those actors, when you give him a prop... I can, I can imagine that. Like, okay, they made me wear this fat suit. Well, it's not really a fat suit. It's just a beer belly suit. Yeah. Like, so apparently they want me to do something with this. They want this to be part of the character, so... Like, and I'll make it part of the character. And and, yes. Uh, like, uh, 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 oh, Barbossa in the Pirates of the Caribbean yes. films. Oh, I forget what the actor's name is, but, like, at first he wanted to be bold or he wanted to wear a bandana and an eye patch, and then they said, no, you've got to wear a hat. And he said, I don't want to wear a hat. And then they gave him a huge, huge brimmed hat with a beautiful black feather and said, okay, yeah, no, the hat's me. Fair, I'll I'm take gonna, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking that hat. John and Scorpius come into the doctor's office. Yeah, it seems like time. John's escorting Scorpius right. to uh, to do it first, and then. And there's a little bit of weirdness because the doctor is like, "Oh, he's already been cleared, but because he's part Scarron, he's not allowed on the planet." Yeah, and back you go. Then, yep. like it's much it's, to his a little bit to Scorpius' chagrin. He doesn't seem to be very pleased with the goings on. How are you feeling about like seeing? Scorpius? Scorpius like this like he's been he's been brought down low earlier this this season and I mean now he's he's just their gimp kind of right he is proving himself Mm. he is working he is accepting the fact that he does not have their trust and he is working at achieving that 
Right. Scorpius yes. is proving his usefulness. He is basically he knows he is in with this crowd, and the only way that he can get ahead is by being the best he can be towards them. And tolerating their nonsense and yes. And like accepting the fact that they don't trust him and that, you know, and they've got the stakes are so low. <laughs> They're so low. Why are we even bothering with any of this? Yes, there's a little bit of skull measuring from the doctor. And He's then, got these giant calipers. To, yes, I mean, but there's all science about skull measuring, isn't there? Uh, I, can't I wouldn't it. call I've, it science. Well. I think you're talking about phrenology. That's the one, yes. Yes, and science, it was not. No, fair enough. Uh, I mean, they attempted it. They'd like to try and make a show of it, I suppose. That's the best you could do. I mean, it was the kind of science where they already know the conclusion and are trying to find evidence to match the... Uh, Yes, a, a, a phenomenon that I believe is called scientism, mm. and it's and it's related to scientifically cloaked sexism and racism, and various other forms of of discrimination for which the scientific method can be misused, and has been throughout history. Oh, and absolutely! Unfortunately, probably in some circles, continues to be. Yes, certainly on this planet, this planet of the sexists. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, first the doctor. I mean, I love his like examination contraption. I love everything. That scene must have taken... I wonder how many shots they had to take that scene in when when the mechanism didn't exactly fold over the right oh, way. Yeah. And that probably took a few takes. He's got this wondrous headgear that's sort of like a head mirror and like a lens that with this extending arm that goes over one eye and then this mechanical yeah. iris. And it, and it goes over the other eye than you would expect initially. Yeah, <laughs> it crosses over like a little surprise. Yes, and then we get a reverse total recall scene with John. Hey, look, I know you guys lie and all, but this is not going to hurt too bad, is it? Not a bit. <laughs> Where he gets his probe jammed up his nose, which lights up his entire, well, science his scum, I suppose. His yeah. skull, it looks like. Uh, uh, and he screams and screams and screams. Which apparently was a bet going, or at least they had a poll going between uh, the crew members. <laughs> yeah. And Dargo's like, ah, if you had held your scream off one more card, I would have won the pool. Ah, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> apparently they have bets about how long he can sustain his screams. I, oh, was it the screaming or when he started screaming? I'm not entirely sure what they were betting on. But soon we already see the, the crux of the episode, which is... Two people are seen eating from similar, like, mollusk shells, and then their faces also glow. Yes, in different colours, which I didn't quite catch it. I mean, I caught the fact that it was different colours, but it will become soon evident what is going on. Because the Doctor comes in to inform them that they are have all been cleared for uh, going to the planet. And, oh, 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 oh. Oh, uh, did I forget to mention not to share the quatal mollusks? Oh, I didn't forget to tell you you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> He's so cackly. And unfortunately, if it's eaten by different people, you will all die. Yes, because it turns out... Okay, let's talk about this right now so we don't have to do it later. So, you have the mollusks. <laughs> you're just like John. He doesn't want to deal with the... Okay, no, no. You do I mean, it, you it, do it. It's going to come up and time and again, so let's discuss it first and then... Okay. Like, so the mollusks are... Each mollusk harbors one colony of neurally linked the bacterial, bacteria. The telepathic bacterial colony that lives in these mollusks gets separated yeah. and they start transmitting... Yeah. Communicating your emotional states uh, to uh, force you to merge. Logical and emotional information back and forth to each other. The problem is you are not mollusks. It's never been a problem for us before. It is now. Why? Who cares? And if they can't join up, then both hosts will die. Your bodies, unlike the mollusk halves, can never merge. And so your symptoms worsen. And eventually the strain kills you. All right, we understand. Fix it. Yeah. That's basically what it amounts to. Because the, the bacteria live in mollusks, and they're expecting mollusks to sort of blend and fuse, which yes. is trying to motivate them to do. But, you know, bipeds can't doesn't do that. doesn't really work with humans like that. So this, this, this is the main plot point. The doctor is using this. It informs them that, like, oh, he'd be happy to cure them for a quarter million credit units each, yep. which for a change doesn't seem to be the problem. They're like, yeah, here's the money. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah. They, they don't even care. I guess it's up from, like still from hitting the shadow repository? 
No, it can't be. They spent most of that money on. I thought so. Yeah. So I was wondering, uh, like, repairing. Apparently, apparently, money isn't isn't an issue anymore. That's well, <clears> nice <throat> to be loaded. Yeah. So that's the problem. They're being blackmailed by the doctor, who is yeah wants them to cough up, otherwise he'll. Uh, let them die. Can you imagine if this doctor was played by someone sort of less charismatic and absolutely delightful to look at? Because he gets so much, so much exposition, some of which the characters care about, most of which the characters don't care about. Totally not, especially John. We'll pay double if you shut up. <laughs> right, even as we were sort of repeating how this stuff works, like you could sort of, I, the ghost of John Crichton is here in the room rolling his eyes and doing the fast-forward gesture with his fingers. Yeah, get on with it. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it! I am enjoying this scene. Get on with it! Um, and, here, and here again, because they say, well, why don't we just shoot you? Well, then you're going to die, because I am the only person with the cure. And like, yes. okay, why don't we tell the people who are coming on board to help us? And they go like, oh, you don't want to do they that either. They wouldn't believe you. They wouldn't believe you, which seems odd. Because apparently the, the mollusk's illness progression mimics this space-borne transmission. Space madness, space that's madness, what they call it. Which turns out probably doesn't even exist, but it's only caused by the mollusks, as we learn later on. Yes, because they're not native to this planet. Yeah, they've been imported by the uh, the women's resistance mm-hmm. um, as a, as an assassination method, and that's something that the doctor discovered during an, an autopsy, and he sold his silence in exchange for ac- access to their uh, assassination. And how he's using it to blackmail crews that come aboard the planet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it holds together really well. It does, but we still don't care. We still don't care. Not a huge lot, no. (laughs) No. The important thing is now everybody's feeling each other's, like, oh, it's sort of like translator microbes, but for bodily stuff. Yes. So very quickly people start feeling, like, nauseous or, like, getting intestinal issues or sneezing or it's also a little bit like a yench, you yench, where they get, where first Bracca and Dargo get linked together and later on uh, John and Scorpius. Because it's, uh, it's Dargo... Once again, shackled to to someone else, and they, it's Granny Naranti, and they, yes. and they sneeze at the same time. And let's see, John is linked to Sokozu. Sokozu, yes. And who's just had her monthly meal, her enormous fifth portion. Like, how do yes. you fit I mean, she all eats, that in your She body? eats, like, yeah, what, 10 times per cycle or something like that? Yeah. And there's a little bit of bickering between her and Naranti about, uh, is that efficient or, like, gluttonous? Or it's like, it's, it's a bit weird. Yeah. And Rigel and Aaron, uh, they're yes. the last pairing. Oh, dear. <laughs> unfortunately for Aaron. And Very much unfortunately for Aaron. What the hell is going on here every time Rigel vents? I vent. It's almost Lexian in its sort of bodiliness, this, this episode. Very much so, yes. Rigel farts and Aaron farts and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even after Rigel excuses himself and leaves, and occasionally you just see Aaron sitting there and there's like this little fart sound, which is like... <laughs> And she's very often just sort of sitting down and just sort of, just sort of bearing it. Oh, the only one who's spared is Chana. Yeah, because she just hadn't happened to eaten any of the clams. Yep, she she just missed that kind of meal. Don't know what she was doing, but so yeah, probably she's eating other things. Quite yeah. cheerful when the the fucking Stasi walks in. I, I mean, I, I was gonna, I've got Waffenesses written down, but yes. Like, yes. <laughs> so we've got this guy with this like lovely Australian accent, like wearing a uniform, which would not mistake in Starship Troopers. Or in- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the games and theory department. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, certain, certain types of Berlin nightclubs where certain types of people have certain types of fun. Mm. Where they wear those sort of police hats and the and the black leather gloves and black leather, black leather everywhere. Oh God! I should tell you some of the. I read some of the behind the scenes stuff about this, which was just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was Ian Watson who was talking about like him and, and David Kemper had been talking about an emotion swap episode for quite a while. Yeah, and so this felt appropriate as Ian Watson's last directing episode. Oh, okay, uh, as it turned out. But also, like, the nightclub scene was filmed near King's Cross in Australia, which before the, 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 the lockout laws was a rather a rowdy nightlife kind of area. Okay. And so Claudia Black talked about, like, in between scenes, I just went off with, with my friend, the, 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 the makeup artist, and we just went across the, the street to, uh, to have some coffee in a cafe, and I could just wear my black leathers, and it... It, and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> right, it was fine. It sort of felt like playing hooky from school... 
Because you just go out in daylight in her in, in her, her regular outfit. It's like Kiana, like a Chana, sorry, uh, uh, oh, I can't think oh, of her name. Like Gigi Atli, yeah, like uh, sneaking off to have a, a ciggy with uh, Keanu Reeves behind the studio. <laughs> yeah. Although that was season one. <laughs> oh, blessed season one. We remember it so well, but yes. she still had that way worse wig, or worse for her anyway. He shows up with a mechanic, a uh, tomboyish uh, character who is apparently the mechanic who's going to fix the filter into Moya's system. There's a quick little bit of exchange where Sokozu again demonstrates her knowledge of leviathans because oh, yes. the mechanic goes like, oh, it has to be mounted in the central processing node or whatever. And Sokozu goes like, no, anyone will do as long as we reroute the systems around it while you're doing the installation. Which she can do from pilot's quarters. Which and- there's a little bit of an annoyed look from the mechanic mm. because oh, I got found out like, oh, I want to, I want to have a snoop around. Uh, uh, yeah, and, probably. And while everybody is like dealing with their discomfort, Shiana and the mechanic go off to do the installation. So I'd forgotten the sort of sexism plot of this episode, and uh-huh. I just completely forgot that we're supposed to think that this mechanic character is male. Yes. Because, like... She's a handsome-looking woman. She just has short hair. Like, I know a lot of short-haired women. I know, right? It didn't and particularly clue me as being male. I mean, it was, like I said, tomboyish, but that's... Yeah, which that's, is... Actually, awesome. I, have it, I have it written down as an as, as NB mechanic, which is oh, the, the best way that I could, could I describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, I mean, it's always uh, uh, tricky and fraught and yet sometimes societally necessary to assume someone's gender in order to address mm. them with uh, with forms of dress when you're, when you're trying to be polite. And it sucks when you get it wrong and then you, you do better. But yeah, like in, in our modern society, when we encounter someone providing these signals, yeah, we might assume a they-them pronoun until they uh, yeah. provide us with otherwise. Unfortunately, that turns out not to be the case. It turns out to be a, a case where women are second-class citizens. Let me explain the uh, socio-political situation on Katanen. As you may know, females are oppressed here, but there is a resistance movement planning a violent coup to seize power. Girl power, so what? And she is a woman who has disguised herself as a, as a man in order to be able to... Uh, Become uh, perform, a mechanic. Yeah, yeah. A, a forbidden profession for, uh, for women. Women in my world aren't allowed to do this sort of work. Sure. Well, let's go with she, because like, it is a woman who is not yeah, yeah. Uh, just masquerading as a man for business purposes. It's kind of disturbed by how Chana is keeping close attention on her, and Chana's like, well, what if I just think you're cute? I had that written down as well. <laughs> oh, she's cute. <laughs> It actually, it gave me big Hubero vibes. Hubero? Oh, they were the androgen uh, Nabari who came aboard oh, in Fracture yes. yeah, as bit. well. Yeah, yeah. Because they were also off doing engineering shit together. Mm. Uh, Sikosu was on the bridge helping pilots shut down the uh, paths to whatever. Diverting now. No, it would be more efficient if you simply I just... do not need your help. Inverting the polarity to the neutron right. flow, yeah. much, much to pilot chagrin. It's like, I don't need any help, even though she's like holding onto his claw, trying to guide him to the button that she wants him to press. And he's yeah. just... He just sort of smacks her hand. No, no, <laughs> yes. no. We get a gorgeous shot of this planet. It's called, like, it looks like a... It looks like a leftover of... shot from uh, the Planet of the Dead people. Uh, oh, it yes. It looks very yeah, much yeah, like yeah. that with a little bit of fl- fly cars thrown in. I had a I had a feeling of the Budon corpse mm, right yeah, from the, Home on the Remains. That, it's how it starts when you when when they, 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 they fly, fly by in. the asteroid and then they dive yeah. into that pit because people are going to see the doctor. They're sitting in the doctor's <laughs> office. There's a very classic scene they're doing where the <laughs> the nurses. Yeah, the, I noticed that as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And the receptionist is just sitting there going like, oh, the doctor's not in right now. He'll see you as soon as he's available. And they're like, oh, we're going to see him now. And like uh, more physical discomfort from everybody, which yeah. is played up a little played up for laughs. Yeah, until, they love it. Until the doctor arrives, who is immediately basically accosted by the crew. May I speak? No. Cure first, speak later. Let me explain the cradle mollusk. Please don't. We give up. We'll pay. Doctor explains exactly what we talked about. He's even got a hologram. He's got like a PowerPoint set up. Yes. He was waiting for He's probably like working on the slides while they were waiting for him. (laughs) And they don't want to hear it. They just want the solution. Like, okay, money's coming. We don't even care about the money. Oh, cool hologram explaining all this stuff. Yeah, we'll pay you double if you fix. Now there's a whole lot of back and forth. 
And the doctor says, like, well, I only have one mollusk left, so I can only fix the people who had the purple one. Yes, because apparently colours matter on this planet as well. I mean, it seems to make that sense. Like, fine. you know, like, maybe it's like male and female mollusks, and you can Biology only... Biology like, be like that. Yeah, which turns out to be Granny and Dargo. Yes, and we and we cut back and forth to Naranti, who's still on the ship with her chemistry set. She's mm. gotten samples, various bottles. She's having a little. She's she's doing the whole the whole. I love cooking with wine. Sometimes I even put it in the food thing. <laughs> <laughs> to which you can really relate. You have that like oh late in a bake where you're just sort of dancing around the kitchen, like the smells are coming in great, and your guests are about to arrive. And she turns on the little uh, you know one of those shaker th- uh, devices to uh, like you know separate mixtures or uh, getting them to, uh, you know, mix properly. Right. And she has a little moment with it. Oh. 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 I didn't understand. I mean, she's clearly having, let's just, I mean, it's just masturbating. Right, she's right. having herself a little. Uh, it's, well, but but it, a little the, right, right in the shot before that, like there's this actual shaker device, which she's which she which oh. she loads something into, and then the next the rest of the scene, you can kind of see her leaning over that same table. In my opinion, oh. hev- heavily implying that that's what she's grinding up against. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, you know. I don't, I don't think that she fully understands. Oh, no, she does understand how the mechanism works at this point. I'm pretty sure she does. Yeah, so she should also infer that she's, you know, that she's, I guess, enforcing these feelings on somebody else as well. But I don't think she really cares that much. No, she's just having a great time. You see her eye open, her third eye open, and, like, and change color. a little color. bit of color flashing, yeah. yes. Ooh. I and love of course, her so much. Dargo is having the similar sensations, which is another <laughs> yeah. fantastic acting job by John Simcoe. D, what's up? Nothing, it's, uh, it's Narati. She... Is she in pain? Anthony Simcoe. Anthony Simcoe, Simcoe, sorry. Such, he always loves these moments. Just any time that... Because Dargo is such a great vessel for comedy. Right? He's so uptight and, and sensitive and like overcompensating. And the Tenkas also make for great mimicry. So he's, he's having a time. Being very unsporting, like he even approaches John at one point. Hey, could you? And I don't know what he's going to ask. Yeah, I hesitate also to look up any fanfic that would answer that question because mm. I, I don't think it would be within the rating of this podcast. Probably I don't think. not. No. And John goes, "Hey, do, 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 do you enjoy that over over there?" And yeah, they go full Harry met Sally <laughs> until. And what does Dargo say? Like she oh, blew it or something. I don't remember. Oh wait, hold on. She lost it. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of editing to do this episode. Oh, I'm sorry, but... And he punishes her with the By same way... By basically smacking his own head into a bench. Just like he did, did. with, with yes. Braca. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so they have, they have the cure, which unfortunately is quite involved. It has to be mixed with a bit of the original mollusk, a bit of the uh, the partner's urine. Yes. You have to ingest it at the same time and then hold physical contact. Yes, skin-to-skin contact, which the doctor mentions now, and it later turns out to be quite a bit longer than he originally implied. He gives so much. He gives so much exposition, but he doesn't tell them the really important information that they need until it's actually happening. Right, yes. Which is like, I mean, if you're a manipulative bastard like that doctor is... Probably a standard. Oh hell yeah! We get a fantastic scene with Scorpius and the Waffen-SS officer with his like lovely Australian accent, who is like oh. he gets a little bit like when he's they're talking about Moya and how that like he's he's concerned about hygiene and like oh no Moya self cleaning she's really good like that and like she and he's yeah. like a little bit taken back <laughs> that it's a female ship but but Scorpius pi- is right there right but only controlled by pilot a male of course ah okay. That's not so bad. So, oh, oh, that's fine then. Like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, oh, like, like me some males, don't you? And it's like, <laughs> it's like which you, and, yeah, I'm getting. S- 
Very homosexual vibes from the uh, from the officer there. This one as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a thing. I mean, I can imagine in a in a society where women are considered second rate citizens, if that gets to the point that they are just considered inferior, I can just imagine that like the guys get it on with each other a little bit much. That's very valid. I, I once read an article by a, a journalist whose name, again, escapes me. This is a trend with me lately. But she went to the United Arab... Uh, no, to Saudi Arabia to, to interview gay Saudis. Yeah. Right? And how, the, and, how, and how gay men, that subculture sort of survives there. And she was being driven around by her, by her contract, which was kind of dangerous. And whenever there was a checkpoint... They got really, really nervous because she is an unmarried woman and he's oh. an unmarried man and they're in a same car together. Yes. And so that was the context that they gave. Like, me driving you around is a far bigger risk than me hanging around with other dudes in a hammam, which yes. is totally okay because we're not segregated from each other. Exactly. Well, yeah, as long as you're in the right, uh, in the right hammam. Right, exactly, or like, like wherever. At least this was, you know, I, I, I don't dare to speak for someone else's no. nation and, and experience, but this is what I, what I read in that article. So, yeah. It's probably a lot easier for for uh, dude inclined dudes and lady inclined ladies to uh, uh, you know have themselves a, a, a little bit of what do you call it centrifuge time. Keep it in PG thirteen. Well, let's see where does it go from there. Uh, the well, do- yes, they have two more mollusks which are just about to arrive, and he goes yes. out to take receipt, but instead he receives a shot in the chest, and he's dead. Well. Until we come out of the commercials. I mean, he's dead before we go to the commercials. Oh, then he comes yes, back out. In proper Farscape tradition of, oh no, an unsolvable problem, and you come back from commercials and it's been solved. <laughs> Off we go. He's fine. Yeah, been shot so he's just shoulder. been shot in the chest. The doctor's feeling a little bit poorly. Blah blah on the ship where I guess it's dark. Oh yeah, it's Dargo and Granny who are like starting off the uh, the cure process. <laughs> Did you see how uh, uh, Naranti is squatting over a, a bucket, and she's got like three colors of pee that are coming out at I didn't more or less the, the same time. I didn't notice the different colors. But ben Browder's yes. idea there, uh, <laughs> classy gent that Ben. They exchange glasses. There's a little cheers. Hold hands. Oh, this is where we hear from the doctor that they have to like keep holding hands, probably for a few hours. Ah, no more than that. You see, the cure unbinds the bacteria from your cells and tricks the colony into one more word of techno babble, and I'm going to cut your tongue out. There's a little bit of purple glow going on their faces, and they test whether and, it still works. Ah, and he okay. tests it, yes, Braca style by punching her. <laughs> Isn't that later? I think it already happens here. Oh, okay. But they have, to, yeah, and, yeah, they have and, to... And basically hold- she re- reciprocates by giving him a titty twister. I believe a purple <laughs> nurple is the uh, appropriate one, especially since they had the since purple mollusk. The clams, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, now I can connect this to the scene that we saw earlier. Oh. It was the first time we saw the purple flash going ah. over their face. This was right at the beginning of the episode yep. when they were talking to Pilot. And that's when I realized we haven't seen Pilot in one of his clamshells any time recent. Oh, wow. They've completely phased out that hologram pilot. They really have, haven't they? Yeah. In fact, I can't remember the last time that we saw that. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, it must have been a very expensive special effect to do. I suppose, yeah. And, you know, you don't need it, but I... I guess not. ...do kind of... Oh! (laughs) Oh! Now I'm just sitting here thinking, are we ever going to see it again? Mm, who knows? Oh, it was so far into the into the series. Like you can never you can never go home again. <laughs> well, we've you've been doing a job with this. I mean, I guess you've got like taken me to your old home. Uh, I have indeed. Is what we're doing in this uh, whole podcast series. I feel quite at home in tormented space, and I'm so glad to <laughs> to finally be able to take you there with me. But okay, so they're dealing with this situation now, where they're having to hold hands for essentially ever. So they're out of the episode. Yes. There's now, more guns are being pointed at the Doctor, which seems to be a running thing in this episode. There's a lot of guns being pointed at the Doctor. He's completely unafraid. He is, is because like if he dies, they die, because he has the cure, and that's it. He's he's doing all these wonderful things with like his fingers and his hands and drubbing on his belly, like you say. Yeah. He's having such a good time with that fat suit. Okay, back on the ship, we have the confrontation. <gasps> you are actually a, a girl. girl. Oh, which, which doesn't seem to put her off that much. no. But, I mean, she's, uh, Gianna's actually kind of quite rude about it by just, like, slamming the mechanic up against the wall, ripping off her bodice, and, like, just honking Near. her lymph nodes or yes. whatever. I'm fine. Sure you are. 
Sister. Also, kind of presumptive. Me and the Mivonks, then we get like almost a mirror scene of John and Aaron in their first encounter. Oh, very good. What is your rank and regiment? I don't think you're here to help us. I think you're here to spy on us. But uh, yeah, there's a little bit of exchange and it doesn't take Chiana long to figure out that like, okay, yeah, women oppressed. This is like what she's doing, like best job she can do. Okay, maybe, maybe you're not lying. Oh, you're a rebel from a garbage planet. Oh, well, no. Oh, well, that's like Chiana has a type and that is it. (laughs) Hell yeah, Chi. Very good point. But they bond. I mean, I I really like that they, they do. You know, it's it's not just sex for for Chiana. I don't even know if she if she favors women. It's hard to imagine that Her she being very discriminating in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she like actually connects with uh, yeah. with a mechanic, and they get the the I job mean, done she, from Moya. Yeah, she can get down with an oppressed uh, woman. Mm, That's I mean more ways than yes. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Uh, more bonding is going on between Naranti and Dargo. I'm afraid the boy may be run for life. I'm almost jealous. Much to Dargo's thirst, because he's like, Narenzi's kind of like cuddled thirst, up to say? cuddled up to him, and well, he's trying to get his cup. He wants his drink. <laughs> I know his sippy cup is over there. And he can't get. I don't know why, why he's so it? bothered by why? waking her. I don't know. I mean, he's talking to her, and she's like, "Ooh, this is good," and like he can just pick her up and like get his drink. Yeah, he's talking to her while this is happening. Ugh. Aaron's taken a seat in one of the weird sort of doctor's chairs. Hey, this whole set, by the way, I absolutely yeah. loved. It, it put me in mind of like Terry Gilliam films. Yes, a little bit Brazilish, right? This very would be much, yeah. a dentist's office from Brazil. Yeah, film, not the nation. No, oh, yes, yes, okay. I mean, sorry, if we say Terry Gilliam and Brazil in the same breath, then I assume we're talking about the movie. One assumes. <laughs> Okay, so Sukozu arrives with the money, but it's not enough because they need two more clams. And Aaron says, okay, okay, we'll take care of We're that. We're going to go get them. Girl power. Uh, she says, in fact, girl power. Girl power. Girl, yes. And like John is like, stop speaking English. <laughs> he's much regretting the fact that he's been teaching her that, as it seems. Uh, because and they it, need to retrieve it from a, a nightclub that is run by women for high ranking men. Yes. Those high ranking men all know each other. Yes, so they can't go in as they can't send the boys in, so it has to be the girls because they can uh, they can blend in supposedly. Yes, which seems like a hugely risky endeavor for two unattended women to go away on a on a, on a planet that is known to be hugely right. sexist. Where but you are... know, Erin can probably take care of herself, and Sokozu yes, is yes, also. That's yeah. the problem. That's the problem that I'm concerned about. She's, like she's not. I was going to say she's not stealthy, but she was an assassin for a while. But she, anyway, anyway. Yeah. John and Rigel are left behind with the doctor, but, oh no, a patient arrives. Uh, yes, who has been, he's been troubled by his, what was it again? His inflamed Zergen bobs? Inflamed Zergen bobs, you say? Oh, very good. Let me see. Mark Nixon actually wrote it down. Yeah. Zergen bobs is yeah. exactly right. Like his Zergen bobs are acting up again. That's what you get for neglecting them. And he wants to see the doctor right away. Doctor's a bit tied up, as John says. He told me at the colon convention. Uh, uh, but fortunately, Rigel to the rescue. He is like put on a lab coat, smeared some blood over it. He's completely wrongly wearing the <laughs> examination piece that the doctor had. And he's like, oh, I'm Dr. Rigel. He's so confident. He just loves dress up. I guess he does. Yes. Right. He's, he's in panto mode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was really admiring Rigel in this episode for, uh, yeah, being very brave and resourceful and, like, being out there. It's like he is, like, miles, miles away from the Rigel that he used to be. I am a dominar of action. But, yes, basically, throw a tech of your clothes and we'll have a look. And, like, you've clearly been neglecting your Zirk and Bobs if, you've, uh, if they've gotten inflamed. <laughs> he does I the mean, eye thing again. It comes over his eye and, and he's it- super happy with it. <laughs> The patient is not so much. But he, yeah, he leaves, basically. Amps great. And now we see the girls have arrived at the at the club. Yes, where they're going like, they're, they're, they're playing the girl angle. Like, oh, we're girls, you're girls, let, let's work this out. We have heard that she's trying to improve conditions on this planet for females. It's a worthy cause. Causes need currency. So we'd like to discuss a business deal. The planet girls are not having any of it. They're like, yeah, we're just going to capture you and tie you up. Yeah, and they're and they're trying to be like they're 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 treating these these revolutionary women kind of in the same way that John's been treating the doctor. Like, 
okay, your your whole socioeconomic and thing, we don't care. It's really simple. You've got clams. We have unlimited money. Yes. So you just name a number and, and we'll, you get, right, and we just do this and off we go. And they're like, no, 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 we're not having any of that. That puts the resistance in a bit of a pickle mm-hmm. because now they have Sokozu and Eren captured, but they can't kill them because if they kill them, then they kill the bacterial organism that's in there and that apparently frees the other half of the party. Yeah. Killing them will only cure whoever it is they're linked with, leaving them free to take revenge. However, if we keep our captives alive... Then their partners will be drawn here, where they can all die at once. I imagine that the writers had a bit of a... Like, originally there was going to be, oh, but if one of you dies, the other dies. And then they realised, oh, we've put one in peril. Oh, you can... St- they just kill them. They yeah. just kill them straight away. There's no reason to keep them alive. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, that solves it nicely. So they instead go do a little bit of torture, which Tsukozu very bravely volunteers for, essentially, or basically goads them into torturing her rather than Eren. I thought it was so good because it was like, we're going to cut off one of your fingers. Yeah. And then eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and then she picks Tsukozu and, and like Eren pitches a fit. Leave her alone. I brought her here. She has nothing Shut to up, do with Aaron. this. Shut up, Fine. Yeah. Like jumping into her defense. Like, no, me. And then Sikozu pitches a fit as, as, as well. And Eren's like, what are you doing? I was trying to save you. Yeah, your, your extremities don't attach. No, they don't reattach. Yeah, that. so that's... I mean, I call it, like, in, in the episode, it takes a little bit longer for her to ask that question. But, uh, yeah, I, I immediately caught on to that. Which, I mean, still, it's still... Good memory. You're, you're suffering through that thing, so it's still a thing. But Oh, you know, it's still I, awful. And yeah. Obviously, nobody wants that. Like, I mean... Your fingernails regrow, but you don't want one. No, definitely not. I'm not even going to finish that sentence, having recently flipped one back. This was unfortunate. So, they know the girls have been captured, so the only option is now go into the club themselves. Rigel goes on a wonderful shopping spree. (laughs) Uh, Comes back with a beautiful sort of purple velour number for for John. And a bra. Ain't no way in hell I'm wearing that. Have I spent an arm shopping for nothing? He is so dismissive about, like, these these clothes. No, absolutely not. Well, I ain't going as Maid Marian, and look at that. that. That is not a slimming color. Black is a slimming color. Maybe, maybe if it was black, but uh-uh. I wear that color all the time. This was played a bit broad, wasn't it? It was. It was very much and, so. Like speaking of panto, you know, a certain a certain aspect of British theatre culture where the height of comedy is a bloke in a dress. Especially considering how Ben Browder looks later on. Like right. in this next scene afterwards, when he's like they've like Put some nice thick makeup on his face. You can still see a bit of his uh, five o'clock shadow underneath. Just a little bit, but, but it's kind of dusty. It is a little bit. And he's got like weird dress. And like, I mean, I wish I could have seen Ben Browder versus Christian Bale in uh, Velvet Goldmine. Like, <laughs> like, you know, them playing two uncertain teenagers exploring. Like, I, oh. I, I'm going to go write a fanfic. <laughs> like, hang on, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, that would be amazing. Because it's really that look. It is. There, I mean, in, in, in drag, right, the art form of, of drag, which right. is these sort of hyper, hyper real sort of feminine uh, right. characters that are created. Not even caricatures. It's, it's its own thing. So that's sort of one direction. Then there is the, uh, uh, I mean, there are so many different directions for cross-dressing to go, depending right. on what one what like. And especially, I mean, if we go to Velvet Goldmine, like the 70s, where, like, the non-binary look was much more popular. Mm-hmm. And that combined with, actually, the nightclub itself and the music, it, it kind of reminded me of, like, not quite the space dance from Buck Rogers in the... Uh, but it oh. did have connotations in that same direction. A little bit. Yeah. Like, there was all these lights going on. There was all this furniture that I thought I remembered from Tim Ferrier's house when we went there in uh, season three with Jewel. Oh, oh yes. The, the sort of gland milking. Yeah. And... Rigel dressed up as a wedding cake. <laughs> he totally is a wedding cake. And he's rocking it, and it's so good. He's so happy. Oh, we made it through. Yes, no problem. Blend in. How we got here, the clock stopped. We couldn't blend in on Bud Ugly Night. He's got this, like, tiara. He's also got his makeup is a little bit uh, different. It's really well done. Yes. He's got and these so, highlights. So I'm wondering, like, it looks the way it, he moves, because apparently he's supposed to have his throne slot underneath there. Yeah. But I think that's just, like, some 
per bloke. I mean, I wonder how many people underneath that still trying to like shuffle along. Like we don't have to bother with the transfer. We just put a dress and some hoops over it. So everything's hidden under that. Oh, yeah. So there's probably just several people shuffling underneath that, still trying to animate oh, Rigel. I think it's just Fiona Gentle. Fiona Gentle's the uh, uh, the operator for, uh, okay. uh, for Rigel at this point. Th- that would have made it easier. Because, yeah, you don't have to bother with the trunk in its sled. You can hide everything under the dress. Yeah. It's, it's all a fact. Hey, I read on one of the trivia pages that you can see Fiona Gentle's head in one of the, the early scenes when they're, when they're having dinner. Oh. I looked at the Jeeps and I looked at the episode. I couldn't see it. Fiona Gentle was, was doing fantastic. I've got a story yeah. about her coming up as well. Okay. But, like, I love Rigel's makeup and John's makeup. It's, yes. It's really well done. To sort of accept it's like even as he was walking down the street from the trailers to the nightclub where this was being filmed in King's Cross, like yeah. construction workers were whistling at him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get, and this is okay. So, then in the next shot, he basically gets his ass grabbed by one of the fairly hyper masculine guys who are running there. And, like, on, yeah. on one hand, I mean, I can understand why they take a shot like that. But on the other hand, I get a little bit of the feeling like you know, sexism is only bad when it happens to dudes experiencing it as a woman, you know? Yeah. That it kind of, it doesn't quite feel like that, but I get a little <sighs> bit of a feeling in, from this, in that scene. From Once that. again, it's the, it's the very early 2000s, yeah. right? It's that exploring aspects of sexual relations in, in our society that hadn't really been examined in science fiction before, yeah. which was progressive for its time. And kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I almost guess there from- for the time it was like, maybe I'm being uncharitable, but like the only way you can get people to care about it if it's being experienced by one of the male characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like in, the, in that regard, it's a, it's a way and a method of actually bringing this to the foreground. And then well, as time progresses, like maybe people can appreciate it when it's, uh, or not appreciate it, like... Like yeah. gather meaning from it happening when it's like actually happening to women. I mean, Star Trek tried that in his first season, where you yeah. had a, a planet that was sexist toward men. Yes, uh, and that people had to experience that. Where I I really appreciated how how William Riker like treated it. Like he had to go speak to one of the leaders, and that meant that he had to wear a very revealing tunic, yeah. which the girls tittered at on the on on the Enterprise, and he was kind of outraged. Hey. You're supposed to be professionals. I look great in a deep V. <laughs> yes. You should have seen me on this other planet. I had to wear feathers then. It was awesome. <laughs> or you just go to a uh, Betasoid wedding. Austra- oh, I was yes. Say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because his, his butt does get, does get grabbed. What do we got here? Oh, I love a powerful woman. And I think for the first time ever, I'm not entirely sure... Ben Browder just barrels the camera, looks straight down there, and says, You put your hand on my ass again, and I will kill you. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on Moya... Oh, yes, there uh, we are. Scorpius is still walking around with the captain, who just happens to overhear Chana and our tech talking... Uh, about how she's actually a woman, and she's really summarising... Ex- this is an exposition planet. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> I mean, like I said, this has been an ongoing thing in this season. Yeah. It's like people just talk about stuff in front of people when they should not. In this case, they didn't know they were there. But yes, he comes down, he whips out his gun, goes like, You're oh, under arrest. arrest. So put the tools down and strip. Yes, I want to see this for myself. Yikes. Shanna steps right in front of her. <sighs> Leave her alone. Uh, much, yeah. much to her uh, credit. And, of course, I was, I was just waiting for the moment where it's going to happen. <laughs> and yes, indeed, like just as she's about to shoot, Scorpius has also come down the ladder and just basically breaks his neck. Effortlessly. Yeah. And then goes, continue your work. Yep. Moving on. Keep going. As if he has some sort of plan to straighten this out with the planet, which totally never comes up again. Nope, not at all. Absolutely nobody, like, okay, fine. This guy is not missed. Some some police state we have. Yeah. Back in the club, a guy which, which I admit did not immediately recognize as being the same guy who showed up in the doctor's office earlier. Yeah, him and, like, Inspector on Moya both have the same sort of outfit. And Yes, starts hitting on John. Isn't this nice? With the right partner, I could do it all night. I really don't think I'm the right partner for you. Once again, his Zergen bobs are inflamed, and John like tries to turn his face away because he recognizes this guy from the doctor's yes. office. And this is pretty bad news. It's like, oh, don't you talk? Oh, I just don't dance. I do. And he gets grabbed and pulled along. John even does a voice. Darling, 
I don't dance. Yes. He does well, his, he's uh, mostly a whisperer. Yeah, it's but he does the British nice. accent that he did when he infiltrated the uh, the Gamak base as well. Oh, okay. Rather identify yourself? On an open channel? I don't think so. If you want to count my teeth, do it after I land. Darling, I don't dance. <laughs> I like, oh, oh, okay. Fair point, yes. And so they're he's, out there dancing. Ben, ben Brown's an American. Yeah, yes, he is. He's not Australian, yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's dancing with this, this Waffen-SS fella mm-hmm. um, while the wedding cake is floating <laughs> around and, oh, Looking find f- some... Clams. Looking for the mollusks, yes. I am going to murder me some, like, oysters or mussels well, tonight. just don't share them with anybody. Eh, no, there's no risk of that. I'm very Fair selfish point. when it comes yeah. to my food. You're very shellfish when it comes to... <laughs> oh, you. Um, but so the women revolutionaries devise a test. Well, if we harm one of them, then we can see who their allies are out in the club. Because right. They probably have allies who are coming Well, that's them. just like I had actually had that written down. It's like uh-huh. they, that's kind of a big of assumption to make that they are... Those allies are going to be in the club? Yeah. I mean, it make, happens to make sense, but it's like, okay, who says they're going to be there? But, like, this whole revolution doesn't matter to us or the, the, the plot at all, yeah. which, I mean, more power to them. Obviously, any, any repression deserves to, be, uh, deserves to be fought, but it's just not, like, it just doesn't matter to, to, to our heroes. No. Shut up! <laughs> There's a little bit more light torture, or maybe it's the second stage of the Moloch effect, which is starting to hit them, which is making John dance around a little bit in uh, while he's dancing with the officer. And then Sokozu's finger is cut off. That happens here. Is, oh, is this where it happens? Right, yeah. yes. Uh, oh, yeah, and that's why John is, like, cringing in agony, because, yeah, he feels everything that Sokozu feels. Yep. And I think her name is Selva. She's the leader of the resistance, or at least of this cell, right. is in the dance floor, and she doesn't notice anything amiss. So John's doing a very good job, as is Rigel, until Rigel says, like, I'm overwhelmed with fear and my extremities are tired. I'm going to take these mollusks back to the doctor. I'm terrified. Yes, he's out of there. He's like, I've done my job. Bye. Ditching John once again. Well, ditching, I mean, he did do his, he did do his job. Fair enough. I mean, it is important that those mollusks get get to the doctor. Yeah. And, like, he is abandoning John here, but he is also doing it. He, he's actually got a good excuse. He really does, because they came here with, like, three goals, get in the door, get the mollusks, get the girls. Yes. So, job done, but we see Aaron and, and Sikozu succumbing much more and more to these, these symptoms. That yes, it's, it's, hitting them, it's hitting them much harder than it is John and Rigel. And apparently Scorpius is aware of this happening because he has devised a plan in which he also goes to eat those two mollusks, the green and the yellow one, which are still left over. Are you certain that once you've linked with the others, you can endure their symptoms and delay their deterioration? Certain? No. Confident? Yes. I love this performance by uh, Wayne Pybram, by the way. It's like it's a fantastic bit of uh, it's so extra monologue it's, acting, I suppose. It's so goth. Yeah, like he's he he goes into his cell where he closes the door and he's he set up these these sort of sconces on mm. the floor. Yeah, very like everything for a performance. Exactly, like carrying these these shells and placing the shells down and then placing them on the floor and then kneeling down in this perfectly symmetrical spotlight from above. And, <laughs> yes. Oh. And, and then making such a show of, like, holding the green conch shell. The yes. green and, like... Such a drama queen. Because his hypothesis is that he can eat these, absorb some of the effects of uh, the bond, and thereby, like, mitigate the others. Yes. Which seems, I mean, a bit of a long shot, but fair I enough. don't know why he's so intent, because even when, like, Pilot asks him a totally reasonable question. He sort of barks at him and presumably scares him. Yeah. There's still no response from... From nothing! So it helps a little bit, I guess. It, it allows uh, Sikozu and Eren to go back to functioning. At the same time, we see a little goodbye scene between Shana and the tech, who is like, are you going to be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll yeah, just no get problem. a new, new identity. I've done it before. Change. It'll be fine. Probably one of the better yeah. job. Bye. You're a frowning optimist. Hard to be revolutionary if you're not. Wow. Way to diffuse some carefully built up tension. I know, right? <laughs> like also, yeah, don't the Waffen-SS guy that I came on board with, nah, nobody's going to ask about that, where he suddenly nope. went. No. 
Hey, good for her, though. She takes off her wig. She's yep. got her nice long hair that she enjoys. She looks fantastic, this actress. Meanwhile, things are getting hot and heavy between John and the officer. Who is so flirty, like, oh, he's really putting the moves on. No, really, I should go powder my face. Mm-hmm. I think you look beautiful just as you are. No, you don't. Mm, yes, I do. The moment I saw you in the doctor's office. And then he reveals that like, he oh, knows yeah. entirely who is, and it doesn't stop him from keeping putting rules. And like I'm saying, more of the uh, the homosexual tendencies that we see between the men on this planet. Hell yeah, yeah. If only they had better outlets <laughs> and just a better sort of structure. Hey, I'm going to. In- the one thing I love more than dancing is interrogating, and I am going to interrogate you hard Whoa. and long. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me of that song from Eurovision Fire Saga with Will Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. My love for you is growing wide and long. (laughs) (laughs) Rigel manages to get the doctor to whip up another potion. By biting off his nose. He is up to his old tricks again. My nose. You bit off my nose. There's plenty left. This was brilliant, by the way, because in order to in order to pull off this gag, Fiona Gentle, the, the, the puppeteer, had to do some sleight of hand to like actually reach up through Rigel's mouth while puppeteering him. Pull the nose off. Pull the prosthetic off and like, get her hand out of oh, Rigel's wow. mouth so she could continue puppeteering without her fingers getting mad. Damn. And so like she did that so, so effectively and she sort of hid that that giant prosthetic in her in her in her pocket. And then they wrapped for the day. And then the next day, like, her partner had just done the laundry and, like... Re- was, there, was there a nose in the <laughs> And she kept it on her mantle. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you don't miss it after a day, it's yours, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, okay. So the doctor is motivated to... Like, there's more sort of grossness because he's got this green slime dripping out of his, his nose stump. Which is a bit better than the KY that had been running out of his nose yeah, this whole time. Yeah, that was like, oh, I really hate snotty noses. So that's uh, like... <laughs> but Scorpius has done his job and enough of the uh, symptoms have been absorbed that the Jurls can get the drop on the revolutionaries. Yes, more kicking and fighting. Well done. <laughs> and now I think we're all in the club hiding from the guards because all the... All the doors are guarded by mm. these these women in what is presumably like mandatory servile dress. With yeah, them. they're they're all wearing this weird crown like thing. It looks all very, uh, I don't know, medieval. You know? I was thinking that. I was thinking that like Maid Marian's like lady in waiting. Yes, that called. kind of that kind of look. Very much that. What's it called, Madam Cluck? Clucky? Oh, Lady Cluck. Lady Cluck. Yes. In the in the Disney's Robin yes. Hood. That kind of that kind of vibe, and like seeing so many of them. Covering all the exits sort of made them look a little bit like fembots. It reminded me mostly of Westworld, actually, in the in the in the the medieval world series, the original movie, not the oh no, not I still haven't seen it with Yul Brynner. Ah, yes, that's the one. So yeah, the, I mean the medieval dress. A lot of the women are kind of dressed in the same pastel colors and all ah. with, the, with the high hair, hair headdresses and everything like that. Well, there's very much like that. For you. Yeah, I suppose so. Fembots. So, yes, John get, jumps up on the table and goes like, would you like to see what I have under my dress? <laughs> Do any of you have one of these under your skirt? No. <laughs> I bet none of you has this under their dress. And he lifts up his skirt and apparently in the original script, he was supposed to just flash them. Okay. And Ben Browder said, well, I had another suggestion, which was ultimately like more entertaining for everyone, although I never did get to find out what kind of prosthetic they would have whipped up in the creature shop Ah, uh, yes. for the actual flashing, because he has thigh holsters. Yes, he draws out Winona and her girlfriend. Oh, that's so awesome. Like, he looks great in garters. He does, very much fine, so. Fine, fine legs. Better, better than that lass in the uh, Scottish Parliament the other day. The what now? Oh, there was like some turf in the uh, Scottish Parliament who uh, flashed the, everybody in the assembly there because she was protesting against some turf bullshit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Turf is a slur and they deserve it. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It wasn't, but now it is because they like decided to interpret oh. this like that. So now we'll use it as such. Yes. So for those who are unaware, turf stands for... Trans-exclusionary uh, radical feminist. Yes. So a particular sect of, of feminism that is that that has an unreasonable hatred towards trans people. I kind of like the alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so instead of being trans-exclusionary feminist, I mean, they're not really feminists then. Because, Fair point. Right? Yeah. Because trans women are women. Yeah. So they're feminists. Feminism appropriating radical transphobes or farts. (laughs) 
Very good. It's good, we'll, isn't it? We'll keep that one in there. Yes. Oh. And all swell that ends yes. shell. There's John creates a panic, which causes everybody to start running out of the club. We cut to Rigel feeding the doctor one of the yellow uh, shells. Oh, I, I want to say yes. conch shells, but what are they called again? I don't know. Shell, mollusks. Mollusks, just mollusks, yes. And he's going to leave the other half outside In to the, be eaten by flies. Or, or whatever the local raccoons are called. <laughs> <laughs> so he's essentially just killing this doctor, right? That's can't do that to me. I risk to differ. Well, I mean, he's threatening him with it. He's, we never see if he actually leaves it out there. Oh, yes, he's because t- the doctor still needs to complete the cures for the others. Right, and, yes. Like, okay, we have that over you. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Dargo and, and Noranti uh, finally separate because they've gotten the oily secretion on their hands. Yes. That signifies And Noranti's like, whoa, well, boy, hasn't done this in my hand for a long time. <laughs> It is. It is a bunch of purple goop. Oh, this must be analyzed. No, it needs to be washed off. <laughs> I love Noranti in this whole episode. She's, She's fantastic. Just delighted yes. by everything, having a little st- song and dance, like, ooh, now this we study. And everyone has a little sit together where everybody ends up holding hands. This while- time with cups nearby. Yes. We fortunately skip over the peeing scene, which is like. You know, we're kind of missing out that everybody is, like, in fact, exchanging <laughs> urine here. <laughs> no kink-shaming, but, you know. Yeah, I noticed that in, like, the in the Dargo and Naranti scene where Naranti just filled these cups to the brim. And so that everybody holds them carefully. And, like, yeah. just, she goes and has to take them up. Whoop, 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 whoop. Hygiene is a thing, although in most, in, in, at least for human species, it's sterile. Moya is quite hygienic. She is... Self-disinfecting. And even though everybody's sitting there out in the command or in the guard, the bay or whatever it is, yeah. Scorpius is still in his room and he throws up the, the mollusk, mollusk stuff. And end of the episode. Yeah, a really weird come down. Yeah. Because I've sort of expected... I mean, why wasn't he holding hands I know, anyone? right? Why didn't they put him in there as well? Like and just, just put, like make a little sort of like love circle. Yeah. Uh, of mean, them all holding hands together. I mean, maybe they didn't want him to be uh, like too involved or something. They're still trying to keep Scorpius at a distance of the crew. I mean, it's about the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we were sort of Sesame Streeting with the rest of the crew and all holding hands for like several yeah. arms, that would sort of erase all the menace that he has left. Yeah, I guess so. But it, I, th- I thought it was a bit of a weak way to like, oh, suddenly, I mean, everybody has to eat it and then do the whole thing. But if he throws it up, it's fine. Yep. Because that wouldn't work if it's bacteria, which we're talking about. We're talking about telepathic bacteria and just throwing up most of the bollocks. Uh, those bacteria would still be in there. Yeah, who knows what kind of special biology he has. I see yeah. your finger, what? Yeah, no, yes. keep on going, which is a... Who knows what kind of special, like, bodily... Functionality he has. Yes, that's right. Right, which is a great lead into our next segment. <laughs> she gives me a She gives you a willy. Oh, well done. So, uh, I mean, I mean, this is actually, I, I would say that, that that scene gets my willy. The fact that Scorpius like just gets to throw up the stuff and doesn't get affected by any of it. I think that's a bit of a break with, with everything that goes on in the rest of the uh, yeah. episode. So, I, I, I mean, I, I can give my willies to the sexism or the, you know, the bodily functions and every, whatever we're getting, everything. But I think this, this is just, I think it's just a little bit of, maybe, maybe you call it not weeks plot writing, but I don't think this really fits. I think and I think that's fair. I, I think an effort was at least made by making it so arch and, and creating this sort of monastic environment for him and this almost ritual. Like, I think it could be said that maybe he was preparing his stomach to be invaded by something that he right. would resist yes. and like, that it was quite stressful and painful for him. Yeah. And that he's doing this alone. But yeah, we don't really get to connect with him in the way that we want. No. I I think my willy yes, of course. The sexism on this planet is is terrible. I think also like the sort of lack of really sensitive exploration of this subject, which is very, very real for very, very many people. Yes, very much um, so. Once again, like actually doing some bringing some really heavy topics into an otherwise comedic episode, mm. making it, you know, complicated to enjoy. Mine's going to go to the resolution of the mechanic and the inspector plot. Right, yes. Because apparently, like, just getting a new name and, and a better job has always just been an option for her. Yep. But, you know, not coming back with the same 
inspector is like, oh, yeah, he's still on the ship or something. I mean, maybe it works, maybe. Yeah, and the inspector is not missed by anyone. They just move on with their I mean, lives. it might be that it's not unusual for the inspector to come a bit later. And, like, if she knows that it's nobody's going to question her, if, if she just says, like, oh, he's still on the ship, he'll be down later. Yeah. And then she's gone, and she knows she'll be gone by the time that he comes back. But it's like we're, we're, we're making assumptions here. We're, we're trying to, like, write closed plot holes. Yeah. All right. So that's it for oh, the willies. How yeah, about your woodies? Well, I mean, I, I love the, the, the scene, again, with the inspector and the mechanic and Chana, who are just like... And you, I'm just sitting there waiting for the moment that Scorpius is just going to pop up Drop behind him. <laughs> next now. See what they're doing. Like that. I mean, the NB mechanic in the beginning, I saw also a strong candidate for my woody. Uh, oh, yeah. That look. There. But no, it, 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 has, it, it has to go for Ben Browder's Velvet Goldmine yes, performance. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Definitely. Purple is a great color. Who yes. cares if it's slimming? No. Right? It, he looks fantastic like that. It, oh, God. And the, and the wig and the, and the, like, the lightning eyeshadow, which really, really yes. works for him. It's a fantastic look. I was going to say I hope he enjoys it, but I, I believe that Ben Browder is a, is, a, is a more conservative gentleman. Like I know that his uh, his children went to uh, Christian high schools, mm. so I I imagine this was a bit more of a hardship for him than it would have been for anyone else on the <laughs> on the <laughs> cast. <laughs> All right, so are we there? And that's the story, story so, so far. Escape. Yes. Please join us next week for another fanfic and the week after that for episode 411. Or is there a greatest hiatus in between? No, that's coming after, after 411. 411. And then we're going to take our little uh, greatest yes. hiatus. Episode 411, Unrealized Reality Part 1, where John Crichton gets pulled into a wormhole and meets Einstein, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, All I wonder right. what that could be about. Oh. It's a weird show, this, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely Wormholes fantastic. out of yeah. nowhere. Who ah, saw that coming? I've never seen those before. Anyway... Oh, yes. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us once again at Soulfarscape Studios. You can find us at Soulfarscape on Facebook and Twitter, soulfarscape.com, or you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all our supporters on Patreon who signed up via soulfarscape.com slash support. Whoa, and everyone who's been sending in their fantastic synopses at soulfarscape.com slash submit. If you would like to do any of those or suggest a fanfic, go to soulfarscape.com slash links. Once again, thank you to Lee for our fantastic music. That's Lee Wright Songs, also known as Give Them L, a fantastic punk artist. And also to our new friend, Mark Nixon, whom we mentioned recently and whom we absolutely adore. Uh, we hope that the third season of Shadows at the Door comes quickly because we're very excited about hearing Lani Tupu. Thank you so much. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So so far, so good. Dot com. So good. <laughs> 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 and he did that without writing it down. Thank you very much. And see you next time. <laughs>